Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business by yourself is hard. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business, so you only pay for what you actually need. And they give you access to a legal and tax helpline there should you need it. Get cover for your work, your tools, your reputation. It feels better being protected being freelance. Work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the growing up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Whew. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copy editor and proofreader, Robin Santa Maria. I was incredibly busy all of 2020 and 2021 to the point where I said yes to too many things. And it kind of came crashing down like a house of cards. Don't compare your chapter one with somebody else's chapter eight. I'll look at somebody and think, oh my God, wow, they look like they really have everything together and they're doing all these amazing things. And then they'll stop and think, oh yeah, but they've been doing the gig for 20 years, whereas I've been doing the gig for six. These are just sort of chats that I just organised with different freelancers. And it was really nice, you know, because you go, yeah, you're a human behind a screen. I'm a human behind a screen. <laughs> Let's just sit and chat like regular people. Like You don't know where a conversation will lead. Yeah, so there is Robin with a Y, as in R-O-B-Y-N. And her story coming up very soon indeed, as you can probably tell, she's from Australia, but she lives in France. If you're listening to this as it goes out towards the end of 2022, your mind might well be thinking about buying gifts for others or for yourself. And right now at beingfreelance.com, go to the blog and there is a new blog post called The Being Freelance Gift Guide. It's something I've done for a few years now. I love putting it together. Uh, A lot of stuff which I think would be useful for freelancers. And what I particularly love about it is that a lot of it is made by freelancers, including a lot of the people you will have heard on this podcast. For example, Lo Harris, Andy Best, Kate Toon, Paul Jarvis, lots and lots of people. Go take a look uh, from books to tech to clothing to stationery to accessories for your house to some amazing art prints. They're all at beingfreelance.com. If you click on blog, take a look at the gift guide. Let me know what you've got your eyes on and if you're hearing this a long way into the future i always update that same blog post so you can still go to the same place and it'll just be updated whatever i'm into at that moment and one of the things which is in this year's guide is the ashwin chaco print ashwin was on the podcast at the beginning of 22 and his story was brilliant he's so full of optimism and positivity and that has jumped onto the page of this year's exclusive being freelance artist collaboration print you can get it at beingfreelance.com shop it is in the gift guide as well and we are raising money for unicef as well it's such a great print and if you already follow me on social at being freelance then you'll also find it on there if you want to see what it looks like i love it i love it so much and it's making me very happy to see it already arriving in people's homes and offices uh not just in this country but across the world so please do go get one celebrate the end of your year help motivate yourself with the next one of being freelance as well that's with ashwin chaco all right let's crack on chat to this week's guest we are off to the south of france for freelance copy editor and proofreader robin santa maria hey robin bonjour 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 
So obviously you're uh, you're in the south of France, but you don't sound very French. So I'm intrigued to hear how you've got to where you are today, not just geographically. How did you get started being freelance? Well, I must admit, I fell into it. It's probably the politest way of saying it. Uh, <laughs> it it wasn't the goal to go freelance. Uh, however, I found myself in a situation where I was working full time here in France, in a really interesting job, a great company, good people, except for one person in particular who just was a little bit difficult. Uh, so for several reasons, I decided to leave that job, which was pretty scary, I must admit, because finding full-time work in France isn't the easiest thing to do. <laughs> and it was a position close to where I live. And anyway, to be completely honest, I wasn't sure where to go next because I'd always been in full-time employment in Australia, elsewhere in the world, um, and here in France. And the director of the company, so I worked... For a company in a shipyard, I don't know if you mm. want to get into that, but it was interesting. And I had a really good relationship with the director and most other people. And he said to me, what are you doing next? What's your plan? To which I replied, still figuring it out. And he said, if you go and get set up as an auto entrepreneur here in France, so basically an independent, a freelancer, mm-hmm. get yourself a business number and I will give you a contract. Wow. I know, I know. And that was actually a full 12-month retainer off the bat. So what was your role at the company? So the role at the company was I was in the business development team. Mm. So my background is very much in-house communications, um, part of marketing teams, but very comms-focused. So I worked in government comms and corporate departments. And this job was a bit different because it was more focused helping their sales and business development team with a lot of their activities in English. So it's a company that refits and repairs very big yachts. Oh, yeah. I think I used them with mine once. Oh, yes. Yes. I thought maybe you were a client just after I left. Yeah. (laughs) That would be it. Long story short. They, they, they're a French company, but they have an Anglophone audience, clientele, because they have people from all over the world. Most of them speaking English, so they do a lot of their business development, their commercial activities in English, and I was helping with them and set a few things up for them, actually, like a newsletter and bits and bobs. I was doing welcoming, uh, welcome meetings, orientation meetings for crew inside the shipyard mm. and stuff like that. So it was really different. It was left of field. But I still used a lot of the skills that I'd built up elsewhere. So that's what I'm wondering is, so when that director said, you know, set up, I'll hire you, I'll give you this 12-month retainer, as what? I guess it was freelance communication support. It was essentially, yeah, helping Eric, the director, to, you know, get a newsletter out, whether he needed some help with his emails to specific clients around the world welcome meeting and orientation video for crew who came into the shipyard and then also going to some events as well um, on behalf of the company. And so you've got that one client. What happened next? I mean, like, did you have enough time while you were working with them to explore other clients? So I wasn't working full time for the company. It kind of worked out to be sort of two days a week over the 12 months. Mm -hmm. So I had plenty of time to do some other stuff. And the beauty of it was that because I'd been working inside the company before I was freelance, I'd already gone to some events on behalf of the company. So, for example, the Monaco Yacht Show, which sounds very fancy. And I was very fortunate that I continued to go to those events as a freelance as well. And through that, I met other people. I met other companies 
working within the industry. And I basically picked up some clients that way because then people asked me, what do you do? Are you still working with Monica Marine? What are you doing for them, et cetera? Oh, that sounds great. We need that as well. Could you come and work with us? Which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's very cool. It was really interesting because, yeah, like I hadn't come from inside that world whatsoever. But just meeting a few, a handful of people and building those relationships allowed me to then turn these, that sounds awful, turn these people into clients. It wasn't like that. But the relationships led to me working with them as freelancer client. Um, so, for example, a, you know, a training company, they're based in the Netherlands. I still do work with them. Um, they train crew and a financial advisory firm who are based in Spain. I worked with them for a year. So it was just all through word of mouth and having gone to these events and getting to know these people in person and then I work remotely for them afterwards. And the wonderful thing is I was actually just going through it in my mind this morning, you know, that one contact, the company that I left and then took on as my first freelance client, through that one contact I counted has led to me working with four other businesses. So five clients came out of that one contact. Mm. And several of those turned into long-term clients, which was really fantastic. We should probably put things in perspective. When did you first go freelance? Yeah, so I went freelance in 2016. We had the conversation at the end of 2015. And bless his heart, Eric said, go and have a holiday, have a break, come back in January and we'll get started. Oh my God, I love Eric. I want to work for Eric. Eric was very good to me. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I Um, know. So how did things evolve then over those six slash seven, seven years? So that, that's been the sort of yachting industry experience. And then through the power of LinkedIn, it's funny, I had someone contact me, another woman who lives in this area. She was sort of a very high powered communications manager at executive level of a really big transport company at the time. And she saw that I lived in the same area so she contacted me and said hey I've seen your profile I like what you're doing would you like to catch up so we did we had a coffee and that then later down the line led to me working with her at her company because I mean a lot of international companies particularly here in France who are headquartered here and then have global offices the language of communication is English you know business language Um, so they do a lot of their comms in English and she said, would really love your help with editing and proofreading some of the documents that are written internally. And so I said, sure, okay, why not? Yeah, great, let's talk. And then I ended up um, working with her team for nearly two years. And that one contact also led me to now working with another three, four companies because she since moved on to another company and she asked me to work with her there And she introduced me to two other people and I now work with those people at two other companies. So again, it's been all through word of mouth. And when, sorry, when you say, you know, it's been through word of mouth, but have you initiated that at all? Like, have you said, oh, if you know anybody else who needs any work, blah, blah, blah. Or is it simply they love you so much that they they talk about you to people? It's a bit of both. Um, Yeah, I mean, they've come to me, which is fantastic. And then I've also said, I mean, I've, you know, had the conversations with each of them saying, oh, look, if you know of anyone who needs support in a similar way, please, you know, can you please recommend me or put forward my name if you're comfortable doing so? And that has led to other other projects as well, which is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, from a, a marketing perspective, you know, have I gone out and 
really heavily marketed myself. No, I haven't, much to my disgrace maybe, I should say, because I know a lot of freelancers are very good at doing that. But I find that hard. I find that really hard to do, to be honest. But equally, it sounded like things were going well anyway. Well, that's the thing, Steve. Like, I must admit, I I know that, you know, I hear a lot of people say, don't just rest on your laurels and make sure that you're doing your marketing and have things in place because, you know, nothing lasts forever. And it's true. I mean, some of those contracts that I had are no longer contracts because people have moved on or they've made a shuffle in-house and they've changed the resourcing and, you know, those decisions are beyond my control and I'm aware of that. But at the same time, while things were working and working really well, I didn't feel the need to go and chase other work. So I don't know. I don't think there's a perfect perfect uh, way to do it. But for me so far, it seems to have worked quite well. So I introduced you as a freelance copy editor and proofreader, which is work that Mm. came out of that coffee with that lady from LinkedIn, which it sounds like you've now, that's what you've decided to hone in on. Yeah, that's where I definitely feel most comfortable and where I feel like I could provide the greatest value. And I also feel like it's a job that I find easier to do remotely. For example, like I think I've done a little bit of strategy work in the past, but I just found... I feel like I'd rather be really part of the team and in-house when I'm working on strategy. That's just me. That's how I work. And to be honest, I sort of, again, fell into more editing and proofreading. Even when I was in-house, when I was part of marketing and comms teams, um, I was often the person people would come to and say, okay, you know, we've just finished this report or somebody else had just finished writing something. Robin, can you please check it? Because we know that you're a bit of a nerd and you're happy to sit and do that. (laughs) So I embrace my inner nerdiness and um, and I just, yeah, that, that process of editing and proofreading, I find I like it. I really like it. Yeah. I just like taking something that somebody else has written and trying to make it even better. It is my comfort zone. Yeah, editing, proofreading. And then, again, it's, it's sort of like, okay, this is what I like to do and then that's matched the need from a lot of these clients as well. For example, like when I was saying about the, you know, when the woman who at the transport company, you know, she has a team and a lot of these companies do. They have people who, and they could be French people or German or Dutch, and they're already working in English and actually producing a relatively high level of written English content but it will always need some work. I mean, that's just normal. You know, that's, it just, it needs some work to take it up another level. Mm. So that's where, yeah, I guess my my skills have met their need and we've come together and made it happen. <laughs> you said you don't particularly like marketing yourself to the point where, correct me if I'm wrong, because I try finding one, that <laughs> you don't have a website. I don't. So I did have a website. So just very briefly, when I started freelancing, so back in 2016, I really went into the sort of the, it was a bit of mad phase of thinking, right, oh my goodness, I have to have everything set up. I need to look legitimate. And I really thought, okay, I need to have a website because that will make me look legitimate. I need to have a business name because that's what I thought you did. Because when I went freelance, I didn't know a lot of people who were freelancing. Like all my colleagues back in Australia all work in-house, maybe except for one. So I was feeling a little bit lost at the start and I just sort of thought, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that. So I quickly set up a business name, I set up a website, I went under Red Robin Communications to start with. 
which I thought was kind of cute. Yeah. Even got a graphic designer friend, like I paid her, um, to come up with a really great logo and I, you know, I got a little website up and running and all that sort of stuff. This is where I didn't think ahead. It was a little tricky, like people going, you know, Red Robins, <laughs> what does it mean? You know, like it, it was a little bit, not that it's that difficult to understand, but there were some people sort of questioning me on it because in English it was just made sense straight away, whereas in for some people in French it didn't quite make sense and I had to explain it and there was just all of that happening in the background. Do you know what I mean? You had to go, no, I'm sorry, but it's really clever. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm doing really clever. Trust me, it's really good. Trust me, you'll really love it once you understand it after 25 minutes of explaining it. And and I was like, I can't explain. It's too hard to explain why. Like I used to dance around the living room to Red Robin when I was a kid (laughs) thinking it was about me. I thought that was kind of cute. Anyway, long story short, I ended up dumping the whole Red Robin communications, bless it, And I just went, you know what, get rid of it, get rid of it all, just go back to working under my name. Because from a paperwork administration perspective here in France, everything's just recorded under my name anyway. So I know that's boring, but that's just what happened. So I dumped the website and I didn't get around to putting up another one because I just got busy doing the work. So you've stayed busy the whole time? The first couple of years... Yeah, like really consistent. I was really happy. Like I said, my very first client was Retainer. That got signed up for a second year. So for the first two years, I had a level of stability that was really nice and then other projects around that. And then even into the third year, I signed up another Retainer. So that was really nice. Things went really well. And then the big P came along, pandemic. For me, the pandemic actually meant the busiest time ever for my freelance business, which I'm very grateful for because I know it wasn't like that for everybody. Very busy indeed because a lot of companies double down on their communications, particularly internally. So I had a lot of people saying, we need to get these messages out. We need this. We need that. We need this collateral. Can you help us write? Can you help us edit, etc." So I was just like, sure, bring it on. Yeah, let's do it. So I was incredibly busy all of 2020 and 2021 to the point where I said yes to too many things and it kind of came crashing down like a house of cards, if I'm going to be brutally honest. In what way? I feel hesitant to use labels, but I probably burnt out late last year. I got really overwhelmed because I had said yes to everything. <laughs> um, I was trying to do too much. And then also my husband, who had been working in an office five days a week, all of a sudden was at home five days a week and the two of us working out of the same space, which I know this is a fact for other people as well. And um, I love him dearly and we're still married. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, Steve, the thing is it it got kind of challenging Mm. to me. You know, like we luckily we're renovating the house now to create, you know, more space and and to have a dedicated workspace. But I'd gone from working in my, you know, corner of the room, having my own space, my own little bubble to work in, to Jean-Yves literally working on the other side of the room on calls all day, every day for five days a week. Yeah. And let's just say that 
proved to be incredibly challenging. Mm. So on top of me going, yeah, I'll just take on all the work, trying to do it in that situation was really, really challenging. And, I mean, we've yeah, we've got a garden. We can go outside and take breaks. And, I mean, it was a novelty at first, you know, oh, let's stop and have a little coffee together and... <laughs> And that was all lovely. And then a couple of months down the track, I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to throw him out the window. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Because he spends so much time on the phone. So I actually, I, I ended a few of my contracts late last year. And that did the trick? Yeah. I mean, it did the trick in so far as took that immediate pressure off of going, mm. oh, okay, now I can just stop and breathe for a minute and then I think this year early this year I I started the year going oh okay now I don't have as much work as I did it's that classic swing isn't it where you go oh hang on a minute oops now I don't have as much um which is a little bit scary I guess because Mm. then I think well you know financially we all need to pay the bills and I was a little bit worried about what would happen. But also it gave me the space to stop and think, hang on a minute, is freelancing really what I want to do? If it is what I want to continue to do, how do I want it to look? Am I working with the right kind of client, right kind as in for me? Um, is it the work that I really want to be doing, etc., etc. Hence my 2022 has been doing a lot of that, digging deep, so to speak. And what did you find when you dug deep? Ooh, I think um, so it's, it's been really interesting. It's just that I've been reflecting a lot on like the types of projects that I guess inspire me and light me up the areas, the subjects that I'd like to work around. So alongside my paid work for the last few years, I've been voluntarily writing grant applications and funding applications for an NGO in Papua New Guinea. Oh, wow. And I do that for a couple of reasons because, uh, well, Papua New Guinea and Australia have a long history. Geographically, they're close. (laughs) I went to Papua New Guinea a number of years ago and I wanted to, I've always wanted to help. I've tried to donate some of my time over the years to different NGOs and different causes. And this NGO in particular, um, they do a lot of great work in helping to raise awareness about violence against women and they've got some really interesting campaigns on the go and they need money to do that. So I started volunteering for them a few years ago through a United Nations volunteering program Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy doing it. I really like helping them. It's resulted in them getting some money to implement some projects and it's not paid work but it's something that I would potentially like to turn into paid work and working with more NGOs and charities and um, because those things are near and dear to me. Yeah. So I've done a lot of reflecting this year on just the sort of, you know, ideally if I could work with, you know, those sorts of causes and and charities and NGOs and, and it's not to say that like all my other work has been, I've got a couple of other projects on the go with, you know, paid client work. And I'm not about to dump them because I really like the people and and the subjects are still interesting. Um, But if I could align more with my interests and my values, that would be something that I would really like to do. Yeah. And do you know other, I don't know, other freelancers that you talk to about this kind of thing? Have you been figuring out 
all alone? I this year started working with a coach, which I never thought I would do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I know some really great freelancers because, as you know, more than anyone, there is there are some pretty fantastic people around who are willing to help and listen. And I do have a freelance friend in the UK who I talk to every week and swap ideas, and we've delved into this a little bit. Um, but it, a few months ago, I'd started following a coach, Matt Saunders. He's in the UK. And I really liked what he was putting out because I'd been a little cynical of coaches up until then, which my apologies to coaches listening. It's not everyone. So I'd always sort of shied away. I thought, oh, no, that's not for me. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> and then I stopped and I thought I was really in a really in a funk there at one stage earlier this year with like, where do I go? What do I do? How do I work all this out? Where do I want to take my freelance business and feeling really frustrated? And it hit me and I thought, well, hang on a minute. Like I've worked with a personal trainer in the past to achieve a physical challenge. It's the same principle. It's just this time it's not about reaching a physical challenge. The goal this time isn't the trek in Papua New Guinea. Um, This time it's like actually trying to remove some of the blocks in my mind around different things and help me with my confidence and help me get some clarity and... So I started working with Matt a couple of months ago. I meet with him every week and we have a session and um, I I really like the psychological safety of the space that he provides because it's, he provides this environment in which we can, we can talk through just different topics and subjects and help me to shift some of the blocks I have and yeah, working on building back up some confidence that I'd lost. And so, yeah, for me, it's a really, it's a positive experience and I come away from each call um, with things to think about. I feel more energised. I'm starting to feel a bit clearer about maybe where to go with, with my business, so that's nice. How great is Robin? Back with her in a moment, but I just want to say thanks as well to Ipsy for supporting this episode. They are the Association for the Independent Professional and Self-Employed. They're an organisation I've been a member of ever since I went full-time freelance, and I do always recommend them. They lobby on behalf of the self-employed to government, so there's one great thing. They also have so much advice in their advice hub, and they also put on loads of events. They have regular webinars which help us with freelancing topics. They do the freelance rewards, like I mentioned the other week. They also do something called National Freelancers Day. It's every summer and they have loads of speakers, loads of workshops. It's free if you're a member and hopefully it will be back in person for next year. I really hope so because it's genuinely a really great day to get along to hang out with lots of other freelancers. It's great. It's National Freelancers Day. It's their biggest event of the year. But like I mentioned, there's things happening all the time. So do check them out. Ipsy are at ipse.co.uk. Thanks to them for supporting this episode. Right, back to Robin's story. I'm also intrigued about the weekly freelance call that you have, not with a coach, but with a fellow freelancer. Yeah, so that I just did off the back of, because I started going to the Freelancer Magazine co-working sessions, which is great. And I thought, I, I just need to start pushing myself to meet people because I'd sort of I climbed into a bit of a hole actually and started to hide away a little bit and just not getting out and meeting people and also being on video I'm not entirely comfortable 
but I was watching all these other people do it and these people talking about how they just, you know, had a Zoom coffee with someone and even if it was just you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever and just talking about stuff, like if it's business, if it's life in general. And because I hadn't been going to a co-working space in person for quite some time, that the big P had kiboshed that as well. So on the back of one of those sessions, Katerina, who was in, she's a content writer currently in Bulgaria, and she was like, I'd love to have a chat. I said, all right, let's do it. So we jumped on and we chatted for an hour. And then the next week it was with somebody else in another country. And then these are just sort of like, chats that I just organized with different freelancers and it was really nice you know because you go yeah I mean you're a human behind a screen I'm a human behind a screen (laughs) let's just sit and chat like regular people except there's a video but you know what I mean like Mm. it's it's not big and scary is probably what I thought about in my head and since then I've done it with several people and I'm gonna I'm trying to do them on a more regular basis yeah it's cool and do you find that all of this sort of channels back into your work and life because you're not necessarily discussing business like you are with your coach for example no no I mean I think right now for me it's just a it's just getting me out of my shell again (laughs) which um, I think is really interesting because when I worked in-house I was pretty outgoing and not the most extroverted but I was I was the one often organizing social events and you know, pretty outgoing. And then all of a sudden I found myself, you know, sitting at home at my computer, not wanting to really talk to anybody because it's just circumstances had led to me just going, oh gosh, too overwhelming. I'm going to hide away. And I thought, this is, cra- this is crazy. You know, Robin, you know how to talk to people. So um, long-winded way of saying, yeah, the, the positive is that just feeling like, yeah, I can just talk again to people, meet other freelancers, find out about their business, their just their life, what they're up to. And I think the benefit of that is like I know, f- for example, I love connecting people is that now I know that like, okay, you know, Sam, the sustainability writer who is working on these fantastic ocean-related projects, um, if I know that, you know, Dave over in this corner is looking for someone to work on such a project, then I would probably link the two. And I think that's that's a big thing for freelancers is we talk about connection, we talk about community, and that's what it is. It's like conversations just, you know, you don't know where a conversation will lead. Um, and and I, I love doing that. I love being able to connect people and say, oh, I know someone who's looking for what you might need. Okay, you need to talk to this person. And and having these conversations is is helping me do that, which is cool. That's nice, yeah. It's funny. So it sounds like you went into your shell when you, by accident, when you went freelance because you were working from home. Yeah. Because you were doing it all yourself. Yeah, very much so. As I said to you, like I'd always been in house and working because, you know, I work for a few years now, Steve. We don't need to talk about ages, do we? But, (laughs) you know, not 21. Let's just say. <laughs> um, so for a number of years, I, you know, yeah, I'd worked in team. I'd gone into an office and I've been part of a team, you know, there mm. all day, every day. And it, and I had a lot of positive in-house experiences. This is what I, I, I find it kind of sad when I hear a lot of freelancers saying that they left full-time employment because they had really bad experiences. And I do preface that with, yes, I realise I left my very last job because of a person, 
but prior to that, all my in-house jobs, I mean, no, nothing was ever 100% perfect and sunshine and, you know, flowers every day. But on the whole, I'd been part of some really great dynamic teams, working with really intelligent people on fantastic projects. And so there was a lot of energy there. There was a lot of um, idea sharing. Anyway, so jump forward to going freelancing. All of a sudden, yeah, I was like at home sitting in front of my computer all of a sudden going, whoa, hang on a minute. This is a bit disorienting. Like I don't, it, it's weird. I mean, there's a lot of positives and that come with freelancing, of course, but I don't think it's necessarily easy. That's my experience. And over time, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of positives, but I found it really challenging. And I think that's why, yeah, after sort of burning out at the end of last year, I did really go into a shell. So how have you found the business side of freelancing? Oh, look, let's just say I struggle with it, to be honest, because I don't like I don't have I don't know, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm just going to say it. I don't have an entrepreneurial mindset. I would love to. I would love to say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, this great entrepreneur and I have all these fantastic ideas and I'm going to make a million dollars. I don't. But at the same time, I know I'm, you know, I, I am running a business. I have responsibilities. I need to make sure I tick boxes and set up processes and systems. But even when I say that, I don't have anything too shiny and bells and whistles. It's all pretty simple behind the scenes at Che Santa Maria. <laughs> so that probably didn't really answer the question. But. No, but you know what? That answer is great in itself because equally, I might speak to lots of people on here who do have like just a natural love of the entrepreneur side, which you can't es- escape. So hearing somebody who's having a successful career who doesn't feel that feeling is good so I mean it sounds lovely other than when your husband was permanently in the same room talking all the time how is work-life balance outside of a pandemic in uh, in your freelance life it's pretty good uh, I must admit I try to stay fit and healthy not as much as I'd like to be right now but if if I can get in at least you know an hour to, to two hours of if I go for a run or go out cycling on my bike, that's not every single day, but at least a few sessions a week. Um, if I want to stop early, I will. Like I, I, I really feel like I can use the flexibility of freelancing to ensure that I'm looking after my health. Um, my husband and I do try to make sure that, you know, we book in time off and really get away and, and go off and do what we want to do. So I, you know, I try not to work into the earlier I've never really worked late I've never worked crazy long hours I don't tend to work weekends um I guess that's a pretty nice thing to have sounds great okay now Robin I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me okay so the first one is as a kid I was an extra in a movie the second one is I was living in Japan and I bumped into the back of a car with my car and left a fingernail scratch and <laughs> the police were called. Um, they came, lights flashing, sirens, loudspeaker. It was like a crime scene. It was insane. 
And number three, on the island of Crete, I hitched a ride on the back of Nicholas Cage's motorbike because <laughs> he was there filming Captain Corelli's mandolin. <laughs> this was uh, really hard coming, like, to think of this stuff. Wow. Okay, so we've got you as a child movie extra, you getting treated like a serious criminal in Japan for doing a slight bump in a car, and then riding on Nicolas Cage's motorbike when he was filming Captain Corelli's mandolin. Okay, um, I mean, you you gave a lot of detail about the movie extra thing. What was the what was the name of the movie? Fringe Dwellers. Fringe Dwellers. Australian director Bruce Beresford. He's he's old now, so this is probably giving away my age, really. But anyway, he's of Driving Miss Daisy fame. Anyway, Bruce Beresford came to my hometown when I was a kid, filmed a movie, I was an extra, and he would address us at the end of the day and say, you need to come back tomorrow in exactly the same uniform, exactly the same way, with your hair the same way, and all that sort of stuff. So, And I went home to my mum and said, does that mean I have to wear the same underwear? <laughs> Luckily, she said, no, Robin, you don't. Anyway. God, I hope that's true. I'm gonna, I've am i got to go and watch it now. Secondly, Japan car accident. So how long did you live in Japan for? Eight months. And then you had to go on the run. Because... I had to go on the run. It was seriously, seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. They got out the little, ta- you know, like in, think like LA Law or something. Or is this, no, this is the old days. They'd get out and like draw the crime scene with that little wheelie <laughs> thing. You know what I'm talking about? What, like a white outline? Yes. They traced the scene of the crime. What? It's for real? And it was like good it was like good cop, bad cop. And so the big guy was the good cop, the little guy was the nasty cop. And they were like, you know, giving me this massive lecture. And they're like, Where's your identity? No, no, no. And I'm like, it's in the apartment. I'm like, you fools, I just bumped into the car. Anyway, they put me in the back of the car and drove me to my apartment. And of yeah. course the neighbours were peering out behind the curtains. Yeah, I find calling the police fools is always a good in whatever country you're in. It <laughs> always goes down well. Okay. Yeah. Number three, what so when you rode on the back of Nicholas Cage's motorbike was he on the motorbike? He was. Cause, so he was what? there filming Captain Corelli's mandolin on the yes, island Yes, but that doesn't mean he's picking up you. Why <laughs> Why did Nicolas Cage give you a le- No offence to you. But <laughs> I'm offended. I'm <laughs> were you working on the film? Were you st- stuck at the side of a road? Why? <laughs> because my girlfriend and I were just trying to spy on him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's even more reason to pick you up. <laughs> yeah, so there you go, because they, they just happened to be filming the movie and we just happened to be holidaying on the island at the same time. Okay, I honestly don't think this has ever been easier, and if I'm wrong, I'm amazed. I believe the movie extra, I believe the Japanese car accident, even though it's strange, but I cannot believe that you were hiding, spying on Nicolas Cage, and his instinct was, I know, I'll give her a lift on my motor. It's a great story, but that's the lie. Oh, I've just made it too easy. But but we, yes. did, but we did try to wave him down because we did see him because he rode past us on the motorbike. He was on a Harley. But he probably wanted to run us over rather but than pick us up. Yeah, funnily enough, he didn't stop, and I can't he imagine did. why. Oh, I made that too easy, but I just... I found that really hard coming up with those. What's wrong with me? My life is boring or something. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, if you had to tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I would say 
don't chase all the shiny objects stay in your lane and don't compare your chapter one with somebody else's chapter eight that feels like it's based on something (laughs) because it's just so easy when you're starting out and then when you do start to uncover and discover all of the amazing resources that are out there because there are incredible resources out there including what you do steve like there's there's so much good stuff and so much good advice but it's really easy to get overwhelmed by that because when you're starting out and, you know, you have a lot of well-meaning people saying, maybe think about this and think about doing this and maybe don't do it like that or do it like this or whether it's client relationship management or the actual work that you're doing or the type of clients that you want to go after. It's really, really, really easy to get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of advice, the amount of resources and chase all the shiny objects, whether it's a software package or an app or a, a new way of doing something. And I think definitely if you're up for trying new things, go for it. But my experience was that I became very overwhelmed very, very quickly because I tried to follow too many different avenues. I tried to follow too many different pieces of advice all at the same time, and that didn't serve me very well. And the other one about comparison, I think this is, I think it's a naturally human thing that we do, but it's its just so easy to, I still do it when I'll, I'll look at somebody and think, oh my God, wow, they look like they really have everything together and they're doing all these amazing things. And, and then they'll stop and think, oh yeah, but they've been, they've been doing the gig for 20 years, whereas I've been doing the gig for six or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm. And I think that can it can work well to serve as a motivator, but it can also be a little detrimental because if you compare yourself and think, oh, well, I'm never going to get there, then, well, you're not going to get there if you, know, if you let it get to you too much. Robin, it's been brilliant talking to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. Uh, as there are for all of our guests, we put links through so you can find them online, which in Robin's case is LinkedIn and Twitter. Although, are you building a website? Like, I will be. Really? Yeah, I will. I think I will put a okay. small one together. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. now that I, like, as I said, I'm going through this process at the moment, just trying to, you know, do some tidy up, do some, even get some greater clarity around, you know, what it, what I do, who I do it for, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe and pop up a little website. Well, let me know when you do. We'll put a link through so that, you know. It's there at beingfreelance.com. You get your first bat link. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Robin. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And all the best, Being Freelance. Thanks for having me, Steve. You can hit stop. Oh, good. Thank God. <laughs> How lovely is Robin? Really enjoyed chatting to her. If you've just discovered the Being Freelance podcast, there's nearly 300 episodes now. And it's all about the being freelance, whatever the job title you might say. It doesn't matter. Just delve into all of them. You won't be disappointed. In this season alone, we've had David, uh, who's a sound designer. He's quadriplegic. Remember his story? If you've not heard it, go back, take a listen. Uh, Stephen, who wrote a book on his specialism in web development, which has made him even more of a specialist, I guess. Uh, We've had Nadine and Robin, who don't even have websites yet successful careers. And then we had Ryan last week who didn't really have a network when he started but had a website and that brought him loads of leads and then we have Momina in Pakistan who had so much to say about her mental health journey around being freelance as well as the way perhaps 
freelancers in her country are treated and viewed by companies hiring around the world. It was a really interesting chat as well. If you've not heard any of them, please do go back, take a listen. And if you've enjoyed them, please do consider sharing them. That helps others find it, as does leaving a review. Fingers crossed. I really appreciate it if you do. Okay, I'm out of here. I will see you for another one next week. And in the meantime, I will see you in the community. Click on the link at beingfreelance.com. It'll be lovely to see you in there. Okay, you have a great week. Being Freelance. Being Freelance.